Hey guys, Wes and Ryan here letting you know that this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast is brought to you in part by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand based right here in the United States of America out of Indianapolis just up the road. And these guys, they, they helped us as a sponsor last week. They're, they're a sponsor this week as well, going to be a sponsor here for a little bit. And the reason we are so, so happy about this, guys, is this company is awesome. You hear this kind of stuff a lot. Um, but the, these kind of vintage college shirts have been all the rage now for a while. That trend's not going anywhere. And Homefield is perhaps the very best company that does this. And these guys on Saturday opened up their Tennessee account. So you can go to homefieldapparel.com and they got 15 things to choose from on that site. And these are a lot of things. And when you talk about vintage stuff, a lot of people have this vintage stuff, but what makes Homefield different is they dig through the archives and the history of each school that they partner with. They find unique logos, mascots, and they in moments to make really thoughtful decisions about what they put on these shirts for this school. And for Tennessee, they got 15 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, all kinds, all kinds of awesome stuff. And in the past, they've done things with Notre Dame, LSU, Texas, A&M, Wisconsin, Minnesota, UK, a bunch of others. Now they partner with Tennessee, and they're partnering with the Go Vols 24-7. And I'm telling you, I can finally talk about this stuff now. I think we both can, Ryan. Last week, they sent us stuff, and we couldn't really talk about it until it came out. We couldn't really preview anything. Um, but now I can tell you all 15 pieces are out. Uh, you can see the a lot of stuff with the Rifleman on it, a lot of really cool old smoky uniforms, Vol Navy, Pride of the Southland. These things came in. They are super soft. They are super comfortable. And since they came in now, uh, this was uh, last week, uh, my wife, has, who, who is pregnant, she can never find anything comfortable to wear. She wears that sweatshirt every single day now when she gets home. She just puts that sweatshirt back on, and this stuff is really soft and comfortable. It is, and uh, same same thing. My my wife has already uh, claimed the uh, the sweatshirt that came in. She she's a big fan of it. Uh, really soft, comfortable stuff. And uh, this is this is the kind of stuff that's right up my alley. It's it's a lot of sports fans are like the vintage looking stuff, and that's definitely what they have. And it's like you said, it's it's a bunch of unique logos you can't find on on a, on really any other stuff. Uh, there are plenty of Tennessee merchandise out there. Not anything that looks quite like this. And I think you saw that with the the on sale Saturday, a lot of excitement and, the, and some big numbers that, that home field had with this, uh, the launch of this line on Saturday. So uh, obviously a lot of Tennessee fans taking notice of it and uh, rightfully so it's some high quality stuff. And you know, the best part about this guys is right now you can go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you can also go, you know, through Facebook, you can go through the socials there through, through Twitter, Instagram, all those other things. But the easiest way is you go to homefieldapparel.com Go click on whatever you want, put it in the cart, and when you go to checkout, put in promo code VOLS247. That's VOLS247, VOLS247, and you get 15% off of your first order. You can go to homefieldapparel.com, click whatever you want in there. doesn't have to be Tennessee, but uh, probably, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably Tennessee. Go in there, click what you want, lots of cool stuff, put it in the cart, click VOLS247 right there at the end for 15% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time. Lunchtime, 
quarterback drama time. I guess that was a little bit inevitable time. Maybe just a little bit of drama time. Offensive line injury time. Injuries happen in football time. But since there's injuries happening, you know it's almost football time in Tennessee time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a beautiful, beautiful Thursday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee. Coming to you from Old North Knoxville, just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, where the Tennessee football team went through its first scrimmage, I think first major, major scrimmage of preseason camp Thursday morning at the stadium. Josh Heupel and his guys got a lot of work to do, uh, trying to get a lot of things done. It's a big, big time for the program. Lots to discuss in this episode, so thankfully for y'all, it's not just me. We're going to go across town uh, to that, that home daycare center for Ryan Callahan, and we're going to go to that undisclosed location where we find the one and the only Patrick Brown. Fellas, what is up today? What's up? Hey, we uh, we didn't get to see any football, but got to got to hear a little bit about it. So lots of fun stuff. Yeah, all these uh, behind the closed door scrimmages, they're the, they're all the rage now in college football. Y'all remember? The- I remember the days when. Go yeah, ahead. I was gonna say we, we used to get to watch all of preseason scrimmages. That seems like a, a generation ago now, and it almost well, was. Are, but y'all are old, so um, <laughs> I don't remember that. That's the only thing I've known. I remember not covering scrimmages. So I remember during the former era, we used to get like just a few, you know, just, just a maybe an hour or so, anywhere between half an hour and an hour of of preseason camp access every day. We also talked to former like six days a week, but he used to give us full access. We used to watch every snap from every scrimmage that Tennessee had during preseason yep. camp. And then Lane Kiffin got there and heard about it. And he went, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And and so we started getting a lot of access to, to all the practices, but nothing for scrimmages. And, and since then, uh, pretty much every scrimmage has been off limits, which I suppose is something that I understand, uh, you know, especially with, you're running a new offense. You're, you got a first-year head coach in there, new systems, both sides of the ball. Maybe some things with a team that's not expected to be great. Maybe some surprise is what could help you early in the season. So I understand not, that. No big deal. I mean, it's just, just the way it goes now. Not so long ago, they used to even distribute stats from scrimmages, even if they were partially or completely closed. And now we have to, like, ask questions to find out if one of the quarterbacks was there. <laughs> so Yeah. I, I, I do – I do remember the stats. Uh, I came along. I do remember some of those. So there you go. We, we Now we're on the same page. We're, I'm not we're that bring, old. We're bringing generations together here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do have things to discuss from that scrimmage today. We're going to get to that uh, in the second segment. Also talk a little bit more about uh, some, some camp notes, just some observations, some things that we've seen. Uh, before then, though, first segment, we got a couple of breaking uh, – not breaking news items, but uh, – I suppose they're, they're, they're sort of confirmation news things, uh, you could possibly say. we got a couple things to talk about that are not necessarily great news for Tennessee. Uh, we got, first off, the uh, the situation with quarterback Brian Maurer, also the situation, the injury to K. Ron Calbert and what that means for the rest of Tennessee's offensive line. We will start first with Maurer, who, um, who has a presence on social media that tends to cause issues. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. It, it seems like we can't go more than a few weeks at a time on the – on the GoVoss 24-7 checkerboard or on social media in general without some coded message from Brian Maurer causing people to think that he's going to transfer. And he put up a, a social media post a couple days ago saying 
Uh, just took four days. They took away my dream. Hashtag 18 out. He changed the cut line later on, but still uh, that message was not really that hard to decode. It was kind of out there. Uh, and then he has not been at practice. He was not at practice Wednesday. He was not a part of the scrimmage Thursday. Uh, he, he is still a member of the program as of now. He and Josh Heupel will speak on Friday, and they will then make a decision from there. But I got to tell you guys, this seems to me, and, and feel free to chime in if anything here looks or sounds out of place, but it seems to me like Tennessee went into preseason camp saying, but you know, within a week and a half, two weeks, they wanted to kind of – have that thing at least down from four to three in terms of the main guys. And from the outside looking in, it sure looks like Maurer was the outside guy, and he was told that, and he did not like that news. Well, first of all, did I hear you drop the word – did I hear you say cut line? Talk about an Instagram post? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think sorry, I did. I can't let that slide. Yeah, I think I did say that. You're right. I think I did say that. You need to explain that to the peoples. Uh, yeah, cut line is a is a journalism term for a de- description of, of it's things. It's a newspaper term. Like basically, you talk yeah. about being old. Photo caption. You used to work for a newspaper too. What are you like twelve? I, I well, I know, but like, I mean, I haven't used cut line or art. Some of those terms. We're getting we're we're getting off the point here. Um, no, I, I think I think that's let's not, let's not talk about the art. <laughs> okay, always a good thing. Uh, yeah, let's not go there. Um, uh, where was I, Ryan? You got me off track. No, I, I think that's that's about what happened. I mean, even going into the camp, it was always kind of you know, Maurer was always going to sort of be the, the the guy on the outside looking in, um, or, or the fourth guy. Um, you never want to be the fourth guy in a three man quarterback competition. So, um, and, and I think Maurer's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of ability. I think he's a guy that can um, that can play well, but he's, you know, he, he was just never really going to give himself a shot at winning this job because of just the sort of the erratic way he plays. Now, you know, some coaches, some, you know, in some places may be able to live with that, but most coaches aren't. So, um, that, you know, I, I've equated putting Brian Maurer into a game for Tennessee being like getting on a roller coaster. Something's going to happen. It might be good and it might be bad, but something's going to happen and you just never know. Um, and so um, that I think that's where this has gone to. I, I, I would, I think he'll probably be in the portal at some point. We're, we're sort of keeping an eye on that and see if that's what happens. Uh, Josh Heifel seemed to think that he's not completely uh, out the exit door yet, but um, certainly it doesn't seem like he's going to be a factor in Tennessee's quarterback competition, even if he does come back. And uh, I've seen some, some questions on our board about what he play another, another position and, um, I, there's a lot of things that Brian Maurer could do that would not surprise me. I would be very surprised if he is anything other than a quarterback. Um, you know, if, if he, if he moved to, to a different position, that, that would actually surprise me. Yeah. So I, don't I, don't see s- that I don't see that either. I, I'm not sure. I mean, his skill set to me isn't really well suited for that anyway, but that's, uh, regardless, I think he sees himself as a quarterback. So I, if he sticks around, I think he, he's a quarterback who, who opens the season as depth and has to be okay with that. But I, I think that's where this thing is. And I think it's interesting that Josh Heupel very much left the door open. I mean, at least certainly wasn't ready to rule out anything in his Thursday comments. To me, this, this sounds like a situation, you know, if you you read between the lines of what he said, you know, like you, like you said, Wes, it sounds like he, you know, there was a conversation maybe even, I mean, based on Brian Maurer's Instagram post, maybe just four practices in is this may have been Saturday or Sunday. It sounds like because uh, Josh Heupel said a few days ago, um, so at least Monday, uh, probably at the at the at the latest, 
was it sounds like when this conversation happened, but whatever the case, you know, Maurer obviously wasn't happy about uh, what the conversation was. He wasn't out there at practice Wednesday, wasn't at the scrimmage Thursday. Josh Heupel did confirm that. So, um, but he's still been seen around the building uh, as recently as Thursday. So we know he's still around and they're going to have a conversation and all that. But I, I think this ends up being in Maurer's court. You know, does he want to stick around? Is he willing to accept his role on the team or does he want to take his chances, which at this point, this late in the year, where's he going to find a, a better situation for himself this season? He might just be better off waiting and seeing how the season plays out and then going to the transfer portal after the season. So to me, I think Tennessee would welcome him staying as long as everybody's willing to to, to play nice and, and it's not a problem for, for team chemistry and things like that. And, and I don't see it being that, but can he accept a role being the number three or four quarterback? Um, just that, that's, that's where he is right now. And that's the reality. And, if he can accept that, I think Tennessee will welcome him back. Yeah, Tennessee plays opens its first, you know, plays its first game of the high play or three weeks from the day we're recording this, I believe, if I can do my math correctly. So since they're opening on a Thursday, that seems to make sense. Good math there, Wes. I think you cannot anyone who's been around the game, you know, you don't have to have covered this game, you know, as a journalist or played this game as a player or, or been around this this game too much to know that you cannot give four quarterbacks equal reps with the first team unit three weeks before the start of a season. That is a comically terrible idea. You can't do that. It was always a stretch to have four guys that were really in this mix. And honestly, even three at this point is a stretch given that the season starts in three weeks. So there was going to be an odd man out. There was going to be a situation like this. It was inevitable, you know, that, that, that cannot, that was always going to happen. And, and so I think for Maurer to maybe not understand that going into camp was a little bit surprising to me because I think he had to know they brought in these two new guys. You know, Bailey was a touted prospect by a lot of people. I might be the odd man out here. I think he had to have seen that as a possibility. Um, but I can't help but wonder, and, and this is not really a side topic, kind of is, I can't help but wonder if the way that Maurer sort of reacts and puts things out on social media, I don't think that helps his cause. I don't think that's something that a coach, especially a new coach, is going to want in his program. And I got to be honest with you, that's something that a coach who wants to add Brian Maurer as a transfer to his program, that's something he's not going to like either because they're going to do their homework. And that is not something that's conducive to a team operating the way you want it to operate. You just can't have that from a quarterback. And at some point, and, and I am very sensitive to this kid's you know, mental health issues, and that's a very serious thing. And everyone needs to make sure on a daily basis that he is okay. That's got to be the first question right now to anyone who's talking to Brian Maurer. Hey, bro, are you okay? Are you okay, man? Is there anything we can do for you? Because that, that stuff is serious. On a separate note, You've got to have maturity from the quarterback position, and at some point he's just got to start doing that, I think. Am I, am I too harsh there? Tell me if I am. Uh, I mean, I, I do think you're right. I mean, he's there's a lot of people that are probably being critical of Maurer and what he's posted on, on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And, I mean, sometimes it's, he's been just been posted on rap lyrics, and that gets blown up. I yes, mean, yes. So. And we, we always tell people when they're bringing this stuff up, like, you can't read too much into social media, and – um, in some cases, just not, I don't want to say most cases, in a lot of, in nearly all cases, it's, it's, that's sometimes people, I think, read too much into it. It was pretty clear what Maurer was, was hinting at the other night on Instagram. So, 
Um, but there's a lot of people that I think have been critical of him that, uh, and this is going back, not just this week, but even back when he's had other issues with what he's posted. And, um, some of the people that are critical of him are probably should be glad that they weren't 19 and 20. Uh, should be glad, should be glad there wasn't social media when they when they were 19 and 20. So, um, you know, people grow up and, and mature at different ages, at different stages of life. And, and he's obviously had some challenges, um, in his upbringing with his, uh, with his family situation, um, that obviously have gotten him to the point where he's sort of struggled to, to do that. I, I do think he needs to, to grow up a little bit if he's going to be, uh, a starting quarterback for um, even an, an FBS program, or, or if, it, if he's going to be able to convince, if he does leave, uh, someone else to give him a shot to be their starting quarterback. But um, if he does that, if he ever you know gets to that point where uh, he, he starts handling himself maybe a little bit better off the field, maybe it, it follows on the field, and, and some of the things that he does that make you go wow or impress you, will, that will start happening more, and some of the stuff that was sort of ruling him out of, of winning the starting job even before camp got started. Uh, those will, will sort of fall aside. But um, I, I think some of the criticism for him for, for his social media activity is a little bit over the top, but um, that's just sort of the the nature of, of, of the world we live in today. Yeah. And I, I think, I think Maurer, he's just a hard guy to hit your wagon to as a, as a head coach, just in general, I, for any staff to say he's our guy at quarterback I think it's it's probably gonna have to be a place where he's clearly the most talented guy. I think he's just he's been too unreliable on the field because he tends to take a lot of chances and and makes some um, some sort of reckless throws at times. He makes some at the same time some some pretty impressive plays. Um, and that I, I wonder where the sense of frustration is on his part. Is it you know I, is it because they were willing to to pare things down so quickly that he feels he didn't get a fair chance, although he also went through spring practice too. And the staff has gotten to see him plenty now. That's, or a, that, that's a really important point because yeah. Milton, they didn't get to see in the spring. Or is it because he thinks, you know, some players don't see it the same as coaches. Maybe he thinks he's outplayed somebody on that depth chart. And that if there's an odd man out, it shouldn't be him, whatever the case. Uh, I, I, that, that would be interesting to know exactly, you know, what, might be frustrating about this, or if it's just tough to accept for him and he's not sure he wants to stick around as the fourth quarterback. But whatever the case, uh, it's not shocking that he's the odd man out. I think we all kind of thought he was the one who was barely a part of the competition going into camp to begin with, and it would have been a major, major upset if he won it. I know some people really read into the fact that Josh Heupel's staff had recruited him at UCF and thought that might be a a sign that this staff would give him strong consideration for the starting job. But it was pretty clear to me he – he was not going to have much of a chance at winning it going into camp. And so it's not shocking this happened, but uh, it's still not easy to accept for any player because, hey, let's face it, this, this guy was in the Elite 11 finals a few years ago. He started multiple games at Tennessee. He, he sees himself as being capable of playing at this level. And, and when you're told you're you're not part of the competition anymore, basically, uh, at least in terms of the, the rep total you're getting, that, that's tough for anybody to accept. Yeah, it's, the last thing I'll say is that quarterbacks are just held to a different standard. That's just how it is. And whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But I would I would imagine that when you look at the upsides of playing quarterback in terms of your profile when you're you're in school, your ability, if you're a franchise player at the next level, all the financial opportunities that come with that, the endorsements, everything else. When you look at the ability of former quarterbacks to get jobs, you know, pretty much anywhere uh, in the state in which they played quarterback, there are a lot of benefits that come with it. Um, so I don't know if it really balances out or not. I'm not a quarterback. I couldn't tell you, but they're held to a different standard 
and you've got a guy who's just kind of all over the place. I mean, he's, he's, he's one day saying, you know, I'll be here until I can't play anymore. I'm a fighter. I'm a warrior. My family didn't raise a quitter. And then a couple of days later, he's putting hashtag 18 out on social media. I mean, a quarterback is the representative of a program. He's a young man, and, and we need to be sensitive to that, especially given his situation. But at some point, as Ryan said, hitching your wagon to someone becomes something you have to do as a head coach with a quarterback. And it's just hard to imagine that he would be a guy right now you'd feel comfortable hitching the wagon to. So we'll see. Uh, he and Mauer, uh, Mauer and Heupel are going to talk on on Friday. We'll see what goes from there. I mean, you know, would it be better for him to just play out the string this year and then transfer in January? Would it? Would he be able to find a, a place to transfer to now and maybe have a chance to go in and play somewhere this year? That'd be awfully quick. That'd be awfully sudden. So I, I don't know. We will follow that. We'll see what goes on there. And let's not assume anything because we've seen this with Mauer before. Hey, he's out the door. Hey, he's out the door. And he's not. This seems a little more serious. It, but we've been down a road like this before with him, and he tends to usually come back. So, so let's if, see. If he, if he did transfer now, it's worth noting, he would probably have to drop down a level to be able to play this year. I, I don't know that he would really have much of an option of transferring to another FBS school and jumping into a competition right away. So That's probably you know, a good place to, good place to, always, that's a fair thing to say. say always, yeah, always, always possible, but I, I, I would be surprised if he's able to make another jump to, say, a group of five school and be in the mix for a starting job this late in the game. Yeah, moving on, and, and I know there's going to be more to talk about with Mauer going forward. He he will be an issue until he's no longer a Tennessee player, and then probably afterward, too. I guarantee you this will not be the last time we discuss Brian Mauer on this podcast. It just never works out that way. Uh, so we'll see where that is going forward. Don't want to assume too much. But something we do know that we did learn again Thursday, confirmation of what we'd been reporting, what we'd been saying. Karon Calbert, uh, Tennessee's uh, one of those Tennessee veteran offensive linemen, he is out uh, for an extended period of time. Uh, he had surgery on an arm injury, I believe a bicep injury that he sustained during a recent practice. And I really, really hate this for Karon Calbert because, Ryan, I know you've covered him. Uh, you covered his recruitment, so you've known him for longer than any of us have. But – it's just he's always been such an intriguing talent and a guy who could be a Sunday talent in terms of his ability, but he's just never been able to get healthy and stay healthy, and it it just sucks, doesn't it? I mean, it just sucks. Yeah, you, you hate it for the kid. I, I I talked with him some this summer about just how how things were going. I think he felt like he was finally healthy, that he was in a good good place going into a, a what he viewed as kind of a um, maybe not a make or break year, but a but a but a contract year, basically. I think he he you know he he even made it clear to me at, uh, over the summer. I, I think he wanted to to this to be his final year and and to you know play his way into to being able to at least have a shot at getting drafted after this year. And I, I think people have always seen him as that having that type of ability. You know, he's got that extra year that he can come back next year if he wants, and and that's big because now maybe he takes advantage of that. Um, you know, Josh Heupel didn't come right out and say he's out for the year, but he said extended period of time and. Certainly, that would at least uh, severely damage his chances of even seeing the field this year. But regardless, he he's just not had any any injury luck. You know, he had had an in, knee injury in high school that set him back. It wasn't it wasn't properly repaired at the time he had the surgery, so it affected him for for multiple years, kind of. And and that's why he did, he went undiscovered for a while in high school. Kind of burst onto the scene going into his senior year uh, with some impressive summer camp showings and. You know, you, you saw a ton of upside in him then. I've seen it throughout his career, and we've seen flashes of it at times. It just hasn't been consistent enough and for long enough to really allow him to reach his potential. So you hate it for the kid. He's a, he's a great kid and uh, a young man now, and, uh, and, and 
hope he's, he's able to bounce back from this and in one way or another uh, make an impact again, either at Tennessee or, or, you know, I, I don't know that something like this would cause him to move on after this year or anything like that, but um, some, some form or fashion, I, I hope he bounces back from this and is able to, to, to get on the field and get healthy finally. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I hate it for him because this is a guy who has the ability to play. And I think, uh, I'm not a doctor. None of us are. So we don't know exactly what the damage was. We don't know exactly what was done to repair. Generally speaking though, uh, any kind of a biceps rupture, you know, in that tendon, uh, if that's indeed what it is, that that's a lengthy recovery. I mean, he, he could be out for the year or almost the whole year. Don't want to speculate, but it, it's, it's a long period of time. And, and I hate it because, this kid can play. He's a talented. He's a talented guy. And I remember talking to, uh, I think it was about a week and a half ago or so, and, and I talked to Cade Mays, and, and and Cade Mays said specifically talking about Calvert, he was like, man, you know, Kron's always been such a talented guy. He's finally healthy. He's looking great. You know, I, I just I'm really happy that he's out there with us, and he finally feels like it's it's a time. It's his time, and it it now turns out that it's not his time still, and, and that is unfortunate. Uh, but thankfully, he does have the full year. Uh, of eligibility on top of this if he wants to use that that is good but pat what do you think this means for tennessee's offensive line there was no guarantee obviously that calbert was going to start tennessee's pretty good uh in the guard box and and he's a tackle and tennessee's also got three other options at tackle who were who were pretty good players so i i don't know that he was going to start but i i saw no scenario where he wasn't going to be a, a member of the rotation at least yeah i i think he is um and we saw it early this week, sort of the, the reaction to what happened is that um, Dane Davis went from working mostly at left tackle during what we get to see at practice to working at right tackle. Um, and what that tells me is that they are trying to get their top three guys now to be able to play both sides. Top three guys being Cade Mays, who um, I, I'm not ruling out that he's going to be at guard because, uh, you know, if somebody were, were to get hurt and they had to do some shuffling, he could definitely slide inside. Um, and that might, you know, the three guys inside and, and the three tackles might be their top six, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, obviously Darnell Wright has been playing left tackle. The, the reviews seem to be pretty good with him so far. That's a different position for Darnell. Um, it's not something he did very much, I don't think, during uh, his first two seasons on campus. Um, and, and people got to remember with Darnell, this is his first full offseason in the program. I mean, he's going into his junior year. Great point. Um, and I think this was somebody that even two summers ago when he first got here it was – this guy's got a lot, got a high ceiling, but he needs some time. He's not a finished product yet. And then last year he doesn't get a, a normal off season. And now he finally gets one. I think he's lost uh, some weight. I think he's moving around better. Um, he's got some older guys around him, even though he is sort of an older guy that are, that are kind of pushing him and motivating him. Um, and, and so the reviews on him as a left tackle have been pretty good so far from uh, what Glenn Ellerby said earlier in the week, and even even Heupel on on Thursday, saying that that there's the potential there for him to be uh, an elite pass protector, and, and saying that he's a natural left tackle. So, um, with, with Cade Mays and and Darnell Wright, that that's that, those are probably your two starters. If I had to say that right now, here on August the what the twelfth, um, here yeah. three weeks out before the season starts, um, Dane Davis is he was the guy that got moved. He didn't get moved, but he, he started working at right tackle, and after he worked pretty much at left tackle all during spring so that tells me they're trying to get those three guys to be able to play both sides so uh you get to a game and Javante Spragans rolls his ankle they could slide Kate inside and put one of the other guys at right tackle obviously um you know with Mays and, and Wright they've, they've played it before they've worked it before 
um, to where they can play either side. Um, obviously, left tackle, like I mentioned, is, is new for right, but that seems to be where they're kind of kind of selling him in. Um, and beyond that, I, I think it's really up in the air. And so that, that's where it gets a little dicey. Uh, I, I like Tennessee's offensive line through about the first six guys. And this is where I think this is where Calvert uh, losing him hurts because I think he would have been at, at worst in the top seven, right? I yeah, mean, he at was worst. a guy that, that, uh, again, back in the spring, got a lot of work at left tackle. So he was a guy that could have played both sides, maybe one of the first two guys off the bench if you needed it. Um, and now it's like, okay, you know, who, who's their next best guard behind Car- Jerome Carvin and Jamonte Spragans? Is it Kingston Harris? Is it, uh, is it Jackson Lampley? Would they slide Mays in there? If something happened to Cooper Mays, they'd probably slide Carvin over to center. So I think that's where the impact of, of, of losing Calvert is. And I think he was a guy that was, that was, you know, he was going to be in the mix for a starting job. I mean, it was, it was so early in camp. You didn't really get a chance to see what, how that was going to play out with, some of the jockeying and, and somehow uh, those guys w- would be battling for starting job uh, for a starting job. So um, that that's where I think it hurts Tennessee is it, it it's a hit on their depth, uh, particularly a tackle where I think now they're trying to make sure that those three guys can be interchangeable right or left. Um, and then they've got to push some of those younger guys along. I, I don't know. Uh, I think Jeremiah Crawford's probably maybe the next in line, the junior college transfer. He would almost have uh, to be, I, I think. You think I, I so? Think so. I, I, I think it might be RJ RJ Perry, but that's just I don't know. That's just my read based on the fact that he's been in the program before and maybe further along. And, and Perry might be the next guy in line because for all that we've seen before Calvert got hurt, he was working at right tackle, and this week he's been getting reps at left tackle. So uh, again, they're trying to increase that flexibility. Um, but but he's a guy Perry that that really looks the part. Yes, he does. Um, and I, I think he's a pretty popular guy among his teammates. I know seeing him in the summer he was always sort of joking around and, and laughing with those guys uh when, we, when we'd see him on campus but um but yeah i i think that that you know this injury hurts their depth and it, and it means that they could have to rely on, on maybe one of those guys uh it's tough to put too much on crawford because he got to campus about a month ago um and and, and so he he's still probably still trying to find uh his footing a little bit trying to find where he you know, try to get used to everything because, again, he was a guy I don't, I don't think ever had ever been to Tennessee's campus before he showed up here a month ago. So, um, yeah, that, that's where they're at. But, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a position that they didn't have a lot of options to begin with, and uh, it just takes away uh, one of their options that, that, that I know the, the staff felt they could rely on, even though, obviously, Caron's had his injury issues in the past. And that sort of highlights the situation with this, really this entire team. It's the top 22 guys atop the depth chart you can probably feel good about a lot of them, but if they have two or three injuries and, and some bad positions, then uh, they could, they could be in, in some real trouble. Um, I don't know that this one is one they can't overcome, but it just means you're one of those other tackles rolling an ankle away from, from really being down to having to maybe play somebody who's not ready. And I probably should mention that, that drum Carvin said earlier this week that he can play right tackle. So he might be a guy that in a pinch, if they had to throw somebody, they had to throw him out there to finish a game or get through get through a half or something that that's something that would also probably be on the table. Yeah. It's six, five, you, you, six, five, three, 18. He can do that. I mean, you know, there's you beat me to it, Pat. I was just going to say Carvin, I mean, either way, the bottom line here is you're now an injury away from really having to figure out who your next tackle in line is. 
that you would put in a game because then you have to go into it. You know, if, if one person went down, you're left with two of those three that we mentioned that are clearly the top options. And then you're an injury uh, away at any point in the game from having to say, okay, if something happens, do we slide Carvin to right tackle and, and adjust at guard? Or do we put in RJ Perry, Jeremiah Crawford, William Parker, whoever it might be at tackle next and, and go from there. So that, it's a it's not a, a great ideal situation and and as that's kind of the, the as you said Patrick the situation with this whole team injury wise but it, it's where they are now and uh, they they needed Calvert to stay healthy for that reason because I mean even even this offseason some fans had wondered should they take a tackle in the portal well now I'm sure a lot more people will question the decision not to because that, that position's a little thin. Well, they had so many uh, other issues that you can't really blame them for who they took. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. but. Um, yeah, I think Carvin, I, you know, you look at who they have. Carvin's the only guy I really could see them having to throw out there at tackle that's not already a tackle. Like any of these, some of these other guards, I just don't think they can – I don't think any of those guys can be – you could just throw them out there other than Carvin. And Carvin's probably – he's probably the only one that could do it just because he's been here a while, right? I mean, he's played all over the offensive line. He's a guy that they know – will at least know what to do even if – him maybe necessarily matching up with a, a speed edge rusher is probably not uh, maybe not putting him in the best situation, but yeah, uh, some of these other gar- guards and centers, it's like, I, I can't see them being tackled. So he, he's probably the only one that's not currently a tackle that, that they could probably throw out there. Yeah. We're overdue for a break, but the, the, the shortest way I can put it is that if someone had asked me before the Calvert injury to name sort of rank Tennessee's position groups in terms of what I thought they could be, I might have had offensive line and wide receiver tied for the top spot, um, but now, in my opinion, after the Calvert injury, I would move the wide receivers above them because there are fewer questions there. Uh, that that's that's what it that that's the reaction that I had to it was that I think it just it puts you one 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 or two injuries away from really being potentially in a bind. So, that's, and that's a position where you almost always have some injuries throughout the year, so it's just tough. Absolutely. Guys, we got a lot more to discuss here. we got to take a break, uh, step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things. Then we're going to come back, and we did not see Thursday's scrimmage, but we spoke with Josh Heupel after the scrimmage. So there's a few things that we learned, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about those things, a couple other camp notes, and then we'll wrap it up. But uh, first things first, let's go pay some bills. Hashtag ad eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location. And Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center on just a, a, a warm um, a, a muggy, uh, but a beautiful Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, right here in the studio from where Tennessee uh, played its uh, major scrimmage on Thursday morning. Uh, the Vols practicing in the mornings now, and including Thursday, where they got some work in uh, to get ready for the opener in just a few weeks, just three weeks away from playing Bowling Green right there in Neyland Stadium. Tons to discuss about that moving forward. Before that, though, quick reminder, guys, if you could take about mm, – Let's take 90 seconds out of your day, if you could, right now. Please go in there and rate and review this podcast. Please hit that subscribe button. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's no problem with that. We're not unhappy at all. We love you for doing that. But what would really help us is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this GoVoss 24-7 podcast. And if you go in there and hit the subscribe button, also uh, add a rating and uh, write a review, that helps more Tennessee fans out there find this podcast. That helps us add wolves to our wolf pack. That helps us get going and build this thing even more as we've been doing for a few years now. And we, we thank you all for doing that. We, we, we love you for doing it. Um, but the one thing that would really help us is if you, if you continue doing that and keep telling more and more friends about it so we can keep growing this thing. Also, a quick shout-out to Home Field again, Home Field Apparel, where you can go right now and get a bunch of those vintage soft T-shirts and, and hoodies and, and crew neck sweatshirts and tank tops and other fun things for some of those cool old vintage Tennessee logos. And you can go to the checkout there into the cart, and you can put in the code VOLS247, VOLS247, and you can get 15% off of that first order. So go in there, check that out, go do that now. That's homefieldapparel.com. Thanks to them. Thanks to them for being a partner with us here on the podcast for a bit. Guys, we got a lot of stuff uh, from this scrimmage that we had questions about going into it, right? Uh, you know, how, how will the tackling be? How will the offense function? Will, will there be a lot of procedure penalties? Will there be sort of some administrative problems? How will they go about their first scrimmage of the sprint uh, of preseason camp, which is always such a big deal? And I got to be honest, you know, Heupel d- did not, he wasn't able to see the video yet or the film yet before he came and spoke with us, but his demeanor speaking with us seemed to me like he was pretty pleased overall with the effort. Would that be a fair thing to say? Yeah, I mean, he seemed to be complimentary of, of the defense, particularly the, the defensive front, thought that that group um, did some good things in terms of being physical and, and playing on the other side of the, line of the scrim- other side of the line of scrimmage, uh, which is a big emphasis for, for Rodney Garner and Tim Banks in this defense. Um, and, and he also said that he felt like they uh, – he likes the direction the offense is going. Saw some flashes from that side of the uh, of the football. Uh, so the offensive line maybe didn't have its best day. They've had some, maybe some better days during uh, the course of preseason camp. But um, seemed to be pleased with the quarterbacks. Thought some of the decision-making was what he wanted it to be in terms of when, you know, when to hand the ball off on the RPOs, uh, where to throw it, that kind of thing. Thought they operated the offense well. Um, and it seems like they, I, I don't think there were any turnovers. If there were, there weren't many. So, um, it seems like it was some, some good back and forth from, from both sides of the ball. And, um, probably the, one of the bigger things was Heifel saying just how different the defensive line is, 
compared to the spring, obviously it was, uh, and, we, and you know, we talked to Rodney Garner on back in the spring. We we're supposed to talk to him on Saturday. Um, that that was a struggle for that group for a lot of the spring, right until the last week or so. Uh, did they finally start to to, to kind of play and, and do what they are, are being asked to do? And uh, it seemed like they showed up and, and had a decent day to day. And it probably wasn't uh, the first time. The thing with these scrimmages, though, is you wonder if it's, um, you know, was it the second team defensive line because they're thin on the offensive line? That kind of thing. You always kind of wonder with that. Uh, the other thing Heibel said was some guys that he he thought were were um, playing well, and, and he mentioned that. Uh, and expressing some confidence in the offense, he thought that they have that Tennessee has some good playmakers. And he mentioned Jabari Small and Tyon Evans at running back. He mentioned Cedric Tillman, who's a guy that just won't go away. He doesn't get the same kind of buzz as, as Ninja Hyde or Jimmy Callaway. Ninja. Um, but a guy that that Hypo, he just about mentions him every time he talks. Um, which at this point it's kind of a trend, but. Um, and, and then also Javante Payton said he's a guy that's starting to settle in, which um, should be a surprise. Payton, I think, is a, is a pretty good player. And I think he's going to be a nice fit in this offense. So uh, those are probably my biggest takeaways. And at the quarterback situation, we're, we're obviously digging to try to find a little bit more here on as we record this on Thursday afternoon to get a little bit more on uh, what happened that we didn't see. But um, early on, I haven't heard anything that makes me think it's it's not still – going to come down eventually to, to Joe Milton and Hinton Hooker, but uh, they have another scrimmage on Tuesday and that could, that could sort of also shift things in different directions, both at quarterback and, and some other places as well, where there's some uh, uncertainty about who's going to start and how the pecking order might be. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see what else we hear throughout the day, as you said, Patrick, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure have more on that later on the, on the checkerboard on GoVols 24 seven, but uh, you know, certainly not yet. Uh, have I heard anything that would suggest that the quarterback order has been significantly shaken up to where, you know, Harrison Bailey should be viewed as one of the favorites now or anything like that. I, I think Bailey went into this scrimmage, you know, probably a little bit behind the other two guys, as, as you said, and, and, and needing to make a move and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll find out probably Saturday a little bit more about whether anything changes coming out of this scrimmage. That's the big question to me is that do, does anything get pared down more or do they, do they shake up the rotation at all and in practice based on what they saw today or is the next scrimmage, which will be held Tuesday, I believe, is that just a, you know, another evaluation for the same three guys in the quarterback competition. And this is just the first of two, you know, how, how do they approach that or does today actually shake things up? So uh, you know, we'll find out between uh, I guess between now and Saturday, they'll have some meetings and review the film and all that and discuss all of those things. But that, that's going to be the fascinating question. You know, at, as you said, you know, that some positive things about the offense uh, that, that came out of this, it sounds like, you know, they, they like what they've seen from the receivers. They, uh, Josh Heifel said he likes that running back room, as you said, led by Jabari Small and Tyon Evans. So, uh, and, and he, he thinks that offensive line is clearly capable of playing better than maybe what, you know, whichever group it was out there, ones, twos, whoever, um, is, is capable of playing better than they, than they were at times on, on Thursday. So, I think they still feel pretty good about the offense overall if they get the quarterback stuff figured out. Um, but that that obviously remains a pretty big question. And then on defense, I, I think if you're a Tennessee fan and you wanted to hear something uh, out of this first scrimmage besides a quarterback, you know, or, or the group of quarterbacks looking good, it would have been the defense and the defensive line in particular coming along. So to me, if you're a Tennessee fan, you never, I mean, you don't want to hear that one side or the other dominated because that often can mean bad things for the other side. But 
I, I think this is kind of what you wanted. The defense is the biggest question mark about this team. If they're controlling the first scrimmage, that means there's progress there. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, a couple of notes that, that I made just from, from the, the conversation we had with Heupel. First off, um, I think there's little things that he mentioned that are important. I think him saying that the strain overall is better than it was during spring is impressive or, or something that, that's necessary. And I think that's something that people can take for granted, and it's, it's something that shouldn't be taken for granted. It's important, and I think it's good that Tennessee was doing that because it shows they have a sense of urgency with the season approaching. That's really important. Second thing uh, was I, I liked hearing from Heupel that the, the defense did not miss a lot of tackles. That could be read as the offense needs to have more guys who are breaking tackles downfield. Uh, but generally speaking, early in camp, um, you know, early in the spring, early in camp, you tend to see a lot of problems with tackling. You know, we saw that early last season too with COVID coming back. Uh, just a lot of teams were were not tackling very well, especially early in the season. And so it's important to be making those tackles, especially with Tennessee having all those new guys at linebacker, some guys coming back. That's important, and I think that's something to note. I also, uh, Pat stole my thunder there, but uh, Ninja Cedric Tillman going out there and still just making plays. He's a guy who's never gotten a lot of hype, but since his freshman year, I've like I like his catch radius. He's a tough, competitive kid. I think he can do something. It's good to see that. And then the last thing was one thing that was really important was was Heifel was asked about the the administration, the tempo of the offense, and he said, "Absolutely, I liked it at times." Um, that's going to be something that's really really important, and that's where I question things with Milton. Is this offense? moves at a speed that unless you see it all the time or it's hard to it's hard to put into words just how fast they want to go if you think back to some of those Auburn offenses uh, with Malzahn early on when you think about certainly uh, Oregon what they used to do and still sometimes do the pace is incredibly rapid and it is so hard uh, for for offensive linemen in this in this system for quarterbacks in this system for wide receivers for everyone to get ready on the ball and get to go as quickly as possible because the tempo is a big part of the offense. The execution obviously matters, but the tempo, you're trying to make the defense uncomfortable, and everyone has to move so quickly in order to make that happen. And I I keep wondering in my head, I just think that's something that's going to take time for these guys to learn against opponents this year. I think early in the season, I think there could be some some issues with that, and I think that's natural. So I think Tennessee could be, if it stays reasonably healthy, a better team later in the season than it is early in the season. And, and that is important. I mean, I, that, that tempo, I don't want to overstate it, but I think there are people who just imagine, well, you just go up there and you play fast. It's so much more complex than that. It comes down to the technique of receivers getting the ball to the official as quickly as possible. To them, everybody looking in, getting the signal like instantaneously and getting on the ball and getting ready to go. It's really, really hard to run this offense. It's not a complex offense. Yeah, it's not a complex offense once you understand how quickly the tempo is, but the tempo is so unnatural to learn. It is. And I, I, I think too, there there are some um there are just gonna be some things that have to be ironed out as as they go along. That's just that's just part of it. So uh yeah, to, to your point, and that that's that's probably the concern with Joe Milton um in particular, just because yeah. he's he's the newest guy in that competition. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like overall he had, he had a pretty good scrimmage. You know, I, I think Hypo was overall pretty pleased with uh, with him and and the group of quarterbacks overall. We didn't hear of any major issues there that that are, are major causes for concern. To to your point on tackling, I, I I thought that was especially positive for Tennessee because you just don't tackle a lot these days in practice. Um, the the 
the, the college game, the pro game, everybody's kind of gone away from that in recent years. You've seen a lot of thud practices. Um, you know, Butch Jones's teams had such a, a rash of preseason injuries sometimes that, uh, you know, the former staff cleaned up some of that, but, you know, you're trying to keep guys off the ground in preseason. And so they're not tackling much. So for them to go out and, and for Josh Heupel to compliment the tackling, you know, as you said, there's, it's always a double-edged sword that the flip side is guys aren't breaking tackles, but Hey, that's a pretty good sign to me for the defense. So, uh, the, Hey, there, there's some good things to come out of this scrimmage. I think to on both sides of the ball to, for, for, for people to feel better about and for Tennessee to, to, I think ha- certainly have a better feel for where they stand a weekend at camp. And this is, uh, you know, it's just the first step, but hey, opener's three weeks away, and, and you guys start figuring some things out. I think they at least have a better feel for where they are today. Yeah, with to, to kind of follow up on what Wes was saying about the offense and the tempo. Now, now in games they will they will mix tempo. Like sometimes they they won't go 110 miles an hour every time. Correct. Um, they they may slow down and do some check with me stuff. Or if it's third and six, they need to get the right call in. Um, but there's you know they'll, they'll mix and and match how fast they go. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's not going to be smooth right off the bat. Right. I mean, it, 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 and, and I go back to something that Alex Golish said after, you know, when we, when we first talked to him, I think it was back in February is it's a constant build and you can really only get used to it by going out there and playing it. And you can only get used to it by doing it in practice. You can only get used to it by doing it in, um, <clears throat> in, in, in scrimmage settings. And even then that's, that's going to be different from when, you have 80,000 people in the stands. So um, it, it's going to be different. And, and obviously Milton's the newest to it, but they're all new to it. Um, I, I don't know how much up-tempo Virginia Tech did. I'd have to really kind of go back and see uh, if that's something that Hooker is, is used to. But um, we've heard these coaches say several times that they are unique in the way that they do their up-tempo. And uh, so th- there's going to be some headaches there. But it's um, something that Heifel mentioned today or on Thursday was uh, all these guys playing 11 as one. And that, that means everybody has to be just the tempo. I, sometimes I think this offense, some of the UCF games I went back and watched early in the off season, early in the year, they had a lot of like false start penalties mm-hmm. penalties where guys weren't set. And that's something that the quarterback has to, to do is you have to make sure you're trying to go fast, but you got to make sure all the other guys are, uh, are where they need to be at the snap and, and set and ready to go. So um, there, there could be some of those headaches early in the season, but, um, they, they've sort of got a tune-up game to, to work out some of those kinks in, in real time against Bowling Green. Um, but, but yeah, so that that's that, that's a good point about the tempo of the offense. But uh, it sounded like a typical scrimmage, and there was some give and take and some inconsistency uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, and that, that's going to be the case. And that, that's where you want it to be as a coach. As, as Heupel said, you, you'd be concerned if, if, if the offense went out there and went ten and went three and out eight times in a row, so um, that that would be a concern. That doesn't sound like that was the case based on what we've heard to this point, um, and 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 that's probably maybe a, a a good sign or maybe a point of relief that it wasn't very one sided. Which then that would sort of I don't want to say race some red flags, but it would probably cause a stir. Yeah, and, and I think the, oh, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, I think one worth mentioning too, you know, Josh Heupel pointing out they, they, they need to do a better job of stringing some things together offensively. You know, that that's going to be a source of frustration for fans. at at some points this year, I think with the fast pace, hanging out the defense to dry, uh, especially if there are some, some long drives for the defense offense gets it back. You, they want to go fast. Can't get started though. And can't run fast if you go three and out. So um, that that's something we're, we're going to have to see it with this offense. You can be as fast paced as you want, 
you've got to be efficient. You, you've got to take advantage of your plays uh, and move the chains or, or you can't really get started on that stuff. So uh, that, 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 that was one thing coming out of today. It's not surprising. It's going to happen throughout the year, but that's one thing that I think will frustrate fans at times uh, is if this offense sputters at all, it, it's going to lead to some, some problematic spots for this defense. And so that, that was interesting that, that Heupel did use those words today that they needed to string some things together better, uh, you know, ha- have more than three or five play drives. You got to get things going. Ron, did you just raise your hand in a Go Vols 24-7 podcast Zoom? I, I did. You like that? Uh, no, I don't. I don't at all. And and Pat, and Pat and, and our discipline is off here because Pat's camera is tilted 90 degrees the wrong way. Ryan's got his hand raised. We just It's early right. season for everybody, right? We got a lot of things we got to clean up. Um, it, it, was my, it was my way of saying I had something to throw in without having to, like, Cut in. I thought that was good. Well, and no, I'm I'm kidding with you. But but the last uh-huh. thing, the last thing that I want to mention before we we go into a couple of quick camp notes and get out of here is with scrimmages in particular, coaches talk right after scrimmages, but they don't know a lot of things. And it's easy to sit here and say, well, of course you should know. You just watch the scrimmage. But there was one time earlier in my career uh, at the FCS level where you get much more. You just get a lot of access there. And so I was able to love kind of, a good FC West FC here. West story, and, and so <laughs> I, I got to kind of go over, you know, watch the coaches go after, go over some scrimmage film, and, and this probably shouldn't surprise you um, too much, but just the amount of things they can take from each rep, even on plays where it looks like the offense did its job and the defense didn't, they can tell you fifty things that the offense did a little bit wrong. Uh, and, and so you put that together, you extrapolate that to 100 plays or whatever, how many plays they're doing. That's a lot of things to, to absorb. And so you don't know as a coach when you're talking right after games and practices because there's a lot of stuff you really do have to go see. And we joke all the time that coaches get out of saying things by by saying, oh, I haven't seen the film yet. And, and we laugh and we have a good time. And, and they do fall on that crutch too often. But generally speaking – um, it's really important, especially in scrimmages, because you've got your own guys going against your own guys. And, and uh, so for something good to happen, something bad usually has to happen on the other side. That's just kind of how it goes. I, I will say this, though. We've heard coaches, we've certainly seen a little bit of all that. You know, there were times when Philip Fulmer and other coaches, you know, didn't say a whole lot about anything after scrimmages because they just wanted to see the film first. Um, and so reporters started, a- started asking questions by saying, I know you need to see the film first, but. Yeah, and we still do that. Th- those of us who are vets on this beat still do that yeah. because of the former years. Yeah, so so there there are times where that 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 gets annoying. But I'll say this: How many times have you heard actual comments from coaches about what happened in the scrimmage, and then they come back two days later and say, "You know, after watching the film, it was a lot different from what I thought." These guys know football, and when you know it and coach it at that level, you can see enough that you get the general idea. But and that's all but reporters are trying to get. As, at. A, as a head coach, your eyes can only go in one direction at a time. Sure. So there's a lot true. of position it, groups you're just not going to see as much. There are things definitely asking about specific players in a scrimmage. There are things you're going to miss. But the overall, how the defense do, how the offense do, I, I think that stuff seldom changes. So I doubt we're going to hear much different in the coming days. But definitely I, we might hear more in a couple days about a specific player that when they look back on film, hey, this guy played really well, actually, now that I saw it, because it's obviously hard to track 11 guys at once. You know, is there anything else before we step out of here in, in terms of things that we've noticed? Because we our, our last episode was Monday, I believe. So there's been a couple days since then. There's some been th- some things to discuss, some developments and whatnot. But one thing I just want to mention again, and maybe this shouldn't be surprising because this always happens with the new staff, but you hear a whole lot about the culture right now in the program and these guys enjoying being around each other. And part of me wonders if that's not because last season was just so bad for so many reasons. 
you know, you, you had all the COVID restrictions, you had uh, stadiums not very full, you had months away from the from your teammates. There were a lot of the reasons that, that went into last season being as frustrating as it was, and it wasn't just for Tennessee, it was for everywhere. But I can't help but notice that there was even a time the other day where I asked Tyler Barron a question, and, and I asked him, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't say, you know, the vibe. Maybe I should put that differently. He goes, no, 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 you had it right, the vibe. It's a, so much different right now. Is part of that just a honeymoon with the new coaching staff, or do we think these guys are really enjoying this this much differently from what they were last year? Or is it just because it's a new coach and, and a new staff and they haven't lost a game with these guys yet? Uh, it's yeah. a little bit about it's a little bit about um i mean again like i said they haven't had any adversity right they haven't you know been hit in the mouth in a game and had had to, had to find a way to respond or they haven't had a a monday practice after their first loss so um but at the same time i do think there is definitely some uh some credence to it there's definitely some uh some truth to it because as you mentioned i mean th- th- this year has been completely different from last year um, cause I mean, just from these guys are able to like go hang out and stuff. I mean, I, that's a huge difference, um, from even, even what went on on the field with the losing and the way Tennessee lost some games and fell apart in some games and all the quarterback stuff, all, all that, uh, they just didn't, you know, they, they didn't get to really be a team. They didn't, they didn't get to be, um, I mean, there's a reason that when, when Josh Heifel came in and he asked what they thought needed to change the two big things that we heard all during the winter were accountability and connection. And so the connection part of it has been, I think a real emphasis for the staff and it's been a big difference. And um, when you, when you're zero and zero and, and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to you know, you're working toward a season where you're trying to get back and show that last season wasn't who you were for a lot of these guys, then uh, you're going to be motivated to, to show up at work every day and, and focus and, and, and you know make the most of it but at the same time you haven't really been hit in the mouth yet so we'll have to see kind of how that goes but i think it's probably a little bit about to answer your question yeah i I think i think inherently ryan that there's it's there's just a there's a huge difference and the coach the coaches can be optimistic or pessimistic or business-like or formal informal whatever guys are always different but there is such a difference between playing for a staff that is fighting for its job and under pressure and playing for a staff sort of in its honeymoon phase when there's not quite as much pressure. There is. And so I, I had heard this from players through recruits throughout the off season. And I was sort of taking it more from your, your initial point, Wes, which is I, at first, when I started hearing this, I thought, well, these are just guys talking about they're enjoying a new coaching staff. And last year they didn't have a lot of fun because let's face it, COVID, as you said, changed their day-to-day operations. They weren't around each other. They had to, they couldn't hang out in the complex after practice. They had to finish up and go back to their dorms basically and, and be alone. So that, that, that had to make last year feel miserable and going three and seven only added to that. So I, I kind of shrugged off some of that, but as we've heard more from players, I think it's clear there was more to that. And I, I think it's, I know people initially might just assume it's, you know, just Jeremy Pruitt they're probably talking about, but I think it went down to the staff and, and everybody involved. I, I there's some guys that probably liked the old staff just fine, but there, there are plenty who are now that they're seeing something different are enjoying this more. But I, I think the totally fair point here is it is the honeymoon phase. They're going through a fun off season of getting to know each other and noticing the differences. But, you know, if they get two years in and they're, and they're losing games, how fun is it going to be then? That's, that's always the question. So 
nothing's fun when you're losing. That that's that's going to be the ultimate test. Uh, does any of this stuff add up to a win? Add up to a you know a, a quarter of playing better at some point this season? Only time will tell. I think there is a value to it. It certainly matters that these guys are are having fun. You know, Hendon Hooker said this is the most fun he's ever had with teammates, and he's in his fifth year in a college program. All that stuff matters. Is it going to make Tennessee significantly better this year? You know, we'll see. But for now, yeah, they're they're having fun in a honeymoon phase. But at the same time, there's clearly some some truth to to this team not having felt much of a connection or as strong of a connection, certainly, to the previous staff. Yeah, the comments from Dane Davis really were the eye-opener for me because that's a guy who the last staff placed him on scholarship. So you you would imagine that that he would feel a a, a connection to that those guys because they made his the, college they made his college free when it had previously not been free even for an in state student that that's a big deal so it's the the way he said it too agonizing to go to work every day essentially is is how he was saying that that's a that's a different thing than to say we didn't feel much of a connection to him that's saying even when we did stuff we weren't really having fun and that that's kind of a uh, that's when it really hit home for me to, to hear something like that from a guy like Dane Davis. That's a good point. Guys, anything else that you noticed from camp that you uh, don't want to end this podcast without saying? Well, they're, uh, you want to talk about agonizing, how to do a podcast with you two. <laughs> what, did, it, no, no, I, I, no I, team I chemistry wanna... issues here. I mean, you got Ryan raising his hand. You got Pat looking here sideways. I mean, we're, 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 we're all kinds of discombobulated here. Well, look, I'm on my phone and zoom chews up my battery, uh, significantly so i'm having to turn it on its side so um to charge it but anyways um probably just two names that we've heard a little bit this week from from talking to assistant coaches uh which by the way i think we i think i did the math in the first seven practices i think we talked to 28 different players including media day which is about a third of the roster so that's been uh that's been five freshmen uh a couple other newcomers as well so that that's been enjoyable shout out to bill martin and uh, Tennessee's uh, assistant AD for, commu- for football communications and also the head coach for being uh, accessible more so than maybe some other coaches have been in the past. Um, but Ryan Jean-Marie was very complimentary of Morvin Joseph the other day. Sounds like he might be a kind of dual threat guy that, that is still learning how to play inside linebacker but might get some edge snaps in some certain situations. Uh, it, it was odd to hear him talk about how Joseph, you can watch him on film and you can see him kind of thinking too much when he plays, but still getting there faster than some guys who know what they're supposed to be doing or know where they're supposed to be. You, you kind of don't hear that publicly a lot of times from, from coaches. And then uh, Cody Burns on, on Wednesday was was hyping up Jimmy Callaway. Uh, I think on this last podcast, I said, if you hadn't bought Jimmy Callaway stock, then you need to now. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, I would just uh, second that again as a guy that, uh, could be in for a a nice season. Yeah, those Jean Marie that those Jean Marie quotes on on Joseph were really important. Uh, I thought because you're talking about a guy who's been running with three some, but just athletically is a guy who at some point you just feel like during his Tennessee career he's going to start making big plays. He just he has that look about him. He has that burst, that explosiveness. He just looks like a guy who once he figures out what he's going to supposed to be doing, he's going to do it really well. I, I think that's a, ve- a very good observation on the on the Morvin Joseph stuff. I, I'll I'll throw in. I mean, not to. I hope we're not overhyping him at this point, but the Tyon Evans stuff hasn't hasn't gone away. I, I think everyone's been pretty impressed with him, seeing him out there healthy again for the first time since you know very early in spring practice. I think he is uh, he has definitely looked the part, and and even though Jabari Small continues to be complimented, and I think is still probably the favorite to 
to open the season as the starter, it's pretty clear to me Tyon Evans is going to play a big part in, in that backfield for Tennessee. So uh, expect to see those two guys getting the ball a lot. And as Josh Heupel pointed out after, after Thursday's scrimmage, uh, his teams run the ball well. Part of that is you're stretching receivers out to the sideline. They're lining up a couple yards off the sideline. You're daring teams to commit to either defending the middle of the field or, or defending the perimeter. If they don't defend the middle of the field well enough, you're going to have great numbers inside. So uh, Tennessee's going to run the ball a lot and, and uh, more than people might realize. And, and those two guys could have a big season based on what we've heard so far. Yeah, for now, uh, for, for now I, I'm calling I, I, some... Go ahead, Pat. No, go ahead, Wes. I was just going to say I, I, I'm, I'm calling him Leg Day McMuscles for now. That's what I'm calling uh, Tyon Evans. Well, Ron, I don't know. Some of us have been on the tie-on trade since day one, and I was even there before even Grant was. So <laughs> that's I'm, true. I'm looking. I'm looking at the first depth chart I did in 2021, and who do I have as projected starter running back? Tyon Evans or Jabari Small? And that was in March. So some of us have been on the bandwagon for a long time, and. And, and, and yeah, he he was very limited in the spring, so they didn't really get to see what he could do. But I mean, you just watch the kids' JUCO film, and I mean, it's pretty impressive. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not surprised by some of the buzz that he's created. Um, I think he's more than just sort of a, a power guy. I think he's got some some suddenness to him and some ability to to make some guys miss in the open field. So, uh, and that's something that I think this offense is 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 gonna enhance some of the the skill sets for these running backs. That there's just so much space, and so. Um, if you can, now they, they don't want everybody bouncing everything outside, but you get small and Evans, um, who are kind of one cut downhill guys, uh, get them through the offensive line into the, onto the second level. Uh, that's where they can sort of shine. And then obviously Jalen Wright too, who we talked to on, on Wednesday, supremely confident for freshmen. Yes, he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's another guy that just is, is really quick. And, um, and I think those three guys, uh, small at Evans in particular, but they're going to need more than, than just those two guys to play throughout the course of the season. Uh, I think those, those those guys should could be pretty productive in this offense. Yeah, I think, like those, you said, Patrick. It was, go ahead. Ryan. I was, it was it was pretty clear to me going you know, going into this year. I, I thought Tyon Evans would have been the favorite to start uh, because I think that that's how the old staff at Tennessee viewed him. Jabari Small establishing himself so well in spring practice was probably the bigger surprise. Uh, obviously, Evan's absence was part of that, but yeah, that's a nice one-two Not punch. Surprised. Small, He's from Memphis. Yeah, and Small is a good fit for this offense. J- Jalen Wright uh, admitted this week he feels he's a better fit for this offense. So I think you've got a nice backfield of developing there, just guys who haven't done it before. But I, I think there's there's some talent there that this backfield could surprise some people. Uh, well, one other thing I wanted to point out that the secondary I, I think is going to be an evolving situation. It was interesting to hear Josh Heupel say Thursday. Not surprising considering you brought in so many transfers that you, you kind of need to help uh, right away. But talking about those transfers, he says they've, you know, they've settled in. They've not had a lot of busts and looked out of place. And he thinks those guys are going to make impacts this year in one way or another. So that, that cornerback situation to me, it might not be that interesting going into the season. We'll see if that anything changes there. But uh, it sounds like to me a situation where Brandon Turnage, Kamal Haddon certainly could be gradually worked in more as the season progresses. And it wouldn't shock me at all if one of those guys ends up starting before the year's over. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I, I think, I think it running back, I think all three of those guys, I think Evans, uh, small Evans and Ryder are definitely going to play. And, and I think that uh, D Beckwith's the guy who's going to get some touches here and there too. I just seems to me like that's, they got some. That's a good problem to have. I think they're at the backfield. I, there's no question that you're going to miss guys like Eric Gray and Ty Chandler. But I think that 
some of those guys can do some of the stuff Ty, uh, that Ty Chandler did, and, and we'll see if they can do some of the stuff that, that Eric Gray did. But I think Evans and Small have the ability to do some of those things. I think they're going to be okay at running back. I, I'm not overly concerned about that position. But, of course, you know, I think so they, they got to go out there and prove it. But I'm not concerned well, about I, that or wide receiver. Well, and I'll say this. I think some people might, if you're, if you're looking at the, law, the loss of Eric Gray in that backfield – uh, I, I think might be overstated even by some people. I think in terms of raw talent, they're they're fine at that position. I, I don't I don't think the drop off is as significant as people might think. That said, Gray's gonna have a big year at Oklahoma, no doubt about that. I just think in terms of raw ability, in terms of like projecting him to the NFL and things like that, I don't know if you're losing the absolute star there that people kind of see him as. I think, but he, he's no doubt he's gonna have a good year at Oklahoma. I just think you've got some real talent there still on the roster. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it unless y'all got anything else. We're already a little bit over on time, uh, so I imagine y'all are both feeling pretty good about where we are. I can hear the wind totals, the projected wind totals climbing as we speak. Every little positive nugget is another win in, in fans' minds, right? Yeah, not, not on this end, but, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm just too cynical after all these years. I don't know. It, it happens every August. I'm sure that will happen, especially once a quarterback emerges. But, yeah, I couldn't help but think that as we – discuss the positive things. I, I can hear those six and six predictions becoming seven and five as we speak. Some of them will go to like nine and three. I know they will. They just will. But, you know, that's not going to happen. Pat, you got anything else? Nope. I think that's a good place to leave it then. If I could just find that button, I'll thank you all for your time and I will find it. There it is. Guys, thank you for listening. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7, which we update throughout the day, all day, every day, 24-7 for a reason. You can get all kinds of stuff there. But the best place to go if you want that delicious that, that most delicious, crystal clear, Smoky Mountain spring water. Go get that directly from the tap at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Tony Vitello and those guys always doing big things these days, tons of that stuff. Also got Lady Vols coverage all the time with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. We got two formers running around the clock all day, every day. Got the checkerboard and the summit, and you can go there 24-7, discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature. And not only will you get to chat with Tennessee fans around the world, you will also get to chat with us. That's why you pay us money. That's why uh, we That's why we do it. That's why we're there. We're there to converse with you all throughout the day in addition to doing our jobs and doing this podcast and everything else. We do it, and we're happy to do it. And you can go there to GoVols247.com and get it, and you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. I say that every episode. You're tired of hearing it, but it is the truth. It was true then. It is true now. It will be true tomorrow. It is an unbelievable value, and you need to go right now. You can, you can get a free trial to start off, and, and you'll probably like what you see and stay because we'll give you just dozens, couple, a couple dozen content items a day per minimum usually. All kinds of fresh stuff, stuff you can only get at GoVoss247.com. Analysis, all kinds of stuff in addition to this podcast, all of it. Right there, GoVols247.com. And if you pay us that that price, which is less than one mediocre mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. That's the streaming arm of CBS Viacom. That is a $100-plus annual value in your pocket for free, no questions asked. 
That's everything in the CBS catalog. Every show ever made, commercial-free, new movies every single month. Lots of old classics on there, too. Uh, live sports, uh, SEC sports, Tennessee sports, uh, college basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all of that, plus things from the catalogs of MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian. All of that for entertainment for everybody in the house. $100 plus annual value, commercial free, for free. Nobody else can do that for you. We can do that for you. So go check that out. GoVols247.com. Thank you for rating and reviewing this podcast. We always ask for that, but that's because it's important. Please go do that. And nothing else, guys, you should hear from us unless there's big breaking news. You should hear from us again on Monday unless something crazy happens before then. Uh, So until then, be good to each other. Wash your freaking hands. Get that freaking vaccine, guys. Let's have a football season. We are so close to there. We are there. Let's just let's just do that. Let's let's be smart. Let's enjoy a football season. Let's be together. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.